Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. This is our annual college football preview show. And we have a special guest with us. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? No, I I guess I'm okay. I mean, we got Coach C in the house, so that always is a good thing. So that means that you don't have to talk as much. And I actually listen to somebody who knows what they're doing. So that I could appreciate. What's going on, Coach? Just fired up to be back on JT and the Don. Can we just cut him out for this episode? Because I feel like he's he's always going to say some outlandish stuff. And then when the stuff that he predicts doesn't go the way he thinks it will, he'll just hate on our picks for the rest of the season. So Hey, can you slide over to the right a little bit so we can cut you out? We really don't need you. <laughs> See, you've already microphone. you've already spoken too much. You've taken the mic away from your co-host and our special guest. And speaking of our special guest, he is the inside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator at Landon School in Bethesda. So, Coach Connor Cassidy, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Doing well. Doing well. Good to see you guys again. Well, we're great. We're we're blessed to have you back on the show. We've been looking forward to this. It's always fun when you come on and you actually do enlighten both of us. So we're looking forward to another one. So I'm trying to see the beard. Can he come into the camera a little bit? There we go. That's why we bring him on the show right there, because none of us could do that. The, the beard is looking good, coach. Thank you. Thank you. He's very humble, by the way, if you don't know Coach Cassidy. So very humble. Um, JT. Recording on tape delay, still from Calgary. Coach Cassidy and I are in Studio 107, so let, let's do this. Uh, we're going to discuss not only the upcoming football season, but everything um, else with college football. So first, um, as, as all of our uh, college sport fans know, as of July 1st, the NCAA um, athletes can now profit off their name, image, and likeness, the NIL rule. Uh, and we've already seen many players take advantage of this through endorsement and sponsorship deals. So, Coach Cassidy, I'll, I'll turn to you first. One, how do you think this will affect college football this year? And then how do you think this will affect college football 10 years from now in terms of how it is? All right. So for this year, uh, and full disclosure, I actually have not followed this part of the college football as much as maybe you two have been. You don't, you don't uh, need so, to say all that because you're the I'm expert. Eager, I'm eager to hear what you guys have to say. But um, I honestly don't think it's going to have a huge impact this year. Um, and I think it was interesting listening to Coach Sam Pittman of the Arkansas Razorback talk at the SEC Media Days about how he was encouraging his players not to allow these endorsement deals to sort of like divide the locker room or, or, you know, come between guys on the team based on, you know, what deals some guys may or may not have signed. And he was just encouraging his players to go out there and do what they're supposed to do, make plays. And if they do everything they're supposed to do, then good things will come in general, but also in the front of the uh, 
NIL. So I'm not really sure how much of an impact it's going to have um, overall. But wearing my coach's hat, I do think it's interesting. Like, is this just another distraction for the kids? Is this one more thing that they're thinking about that is not really related to their football responsibilities and like commitment to the team, winning games, things like that? Um, you know, are kids going to be focused on like photo shoots and like signing contracts with local pizza shops or something and not, you know, what their assignments are supposed to be for the upcoming game and watching film and things like that. Um, as far as 10 years from now, uh, I would be lying if I told you I knew it was going to go on. And I think anyone who told you. But lie to us. Go ahead. Just, just straight um, up lie to us. But you, you, you hear the uh, conference commissioners yesterday, uh, you know, with this new alliance between the Big Ten and the ACC and the Pac-12 saying like, oh, the industry of college sports and the business of college sports, like it's a tumultuous time. It's a turbulent time. And the reason they're all aligning themselves, the reason that the NCAA is having this like constitutional convention on the horizon is because the tectonic plates of college sports are shifting so much and in such a short span of time that everyone is just trying to figure out where this thing is going. Um, and honestly, what I really do believe is that 10 years from now, it's going to be so far advanced with regards to what the players control and like what their rights are that the NIL is going to be like a thing of the past. It's going to be so outdated and the players will just have even, even more access to, you know, basically what, what they're helping to create in a, in a, in like a yep. billion dollar business. Yeah. JT. I agree with him. Uh, this year, I don't think anything will change other than the fact that, you know, players will make some money basically like we've always wanted. So I think that's the only crazy thing that will happen this year. Now, 10 years from now, I do agree with you. It probably will be outdated by the time the 10 year mark comes around because it's a NIL is essentially like a band aid and it's not really fixing the whole issue. So I think the biggest thing that will happen 10 years from now, if this will be the major problem, if they don't figure this out is how do you, rationalize paying coaches all this money but not paying your players sort of like a like a base salary structure like I think that's what's going to come down to because now that everyone can get paid everyone knows all the money that all these programs make everyone knows that there's money out there to be had and you do have enough to pay the players you know x amount of money whether they're starters or not if you're giving Nick Saban eight to ten million dollars a year and you're the one winning the games for him so I think that's probably going to be the biggest thing in 10 years that might be an issue. But I mean, other than that, I think what it's going to also do is turn recruiting into basically AAU basketball. So, you know, you're going to have kids go into these specific programs and they're going to be funneled into these specific college programs, basically like high school and college basketball kind of operate. So I think that will happen even to the point where I think that you'll start having like feeder schools from high school that are, that'll be either for a specific conference or, you know, a particular program. So I think that will happen. And I think what's also going to happen is schools that normally stack a lot of talent and those guys come in highly recruited and they have to wait, you know, two or three years, you might not be able to do that now because somebody else could offer you, you know, an NIL deal to come start at our school. And, you know, Hey, if I'm the third string running back at Bama, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to sit another two years, but let's say Florida State's, you know, offered me two mil in a deal to come over there. I'm going to bolt. 
So basically that I think will happen in 10 years. And then also the transfer portal is just going to be, <laughs> it's going to be the wild, wild west. And I think a lot of teams are going to be relying on that to be successful if this continues to go this way. Yeah, I, th- I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. And, and I do think, though, that, you know, obviously it's going to be a wait and see to see how this season plays out with the NIL. Some of the things you have said maybe within the locker room. But I think it's already changed, you know, the dynamics in college football in terms of guys are now making money, which I think rightfully they should. But to me, Coach Cassie, I don't think it's going to change the product on the field. I think once those guys are in the meetings, in the games, they're going at it. They don't maybe need to make as much of a business decision anymore, knowing that they've got some money maybe. But I don't think it's going to affect the product on the field. I think that it will affect it in terms of players actually starting to realize, like, this is a business now. What, what you guys said, like a billion-dollar business. And in a way, another way to affect it is it just may um, help the game. Because now the big time players or kind of that mid tier player who truly enjoys college football, the, the college football experience, but may not have in the past played that extra year because they needed to go make that money, even as a fifth, sixth round pick, may actually stay now because they're making that money through the NIL and they can afford or should stay another year to, to get better um, because of the endorsement deal. But The other thing in terms of 10 years down the road, I must say that I think this will have the effect of basically we're we're already down the path of players being paid to play, not just the NIL, but this is kind of that first door opening as we always see with things that this is going to affect players in the future that I think they'll eventually get paid to play. And going back to what you said, Coach Cassidy, 10 years from now, people are going to be like, what is that? Like, why was the NIL such a big deal? Because it's going to be the norm. And just like anything, change at first can be tough for some people. But after 10 years, it's going to be the norm. Like the kids that are playing college football in 10 years aren't even going to realize that guys were not getting paid for NIL 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. They're going to be shocked when they hear that. I will say this. Um, One thing I disagree on is I think the NIL should not be something that we're saying, you know, hey, like we hope this is the wave of the future and it continues because I don't I think it's a good short term relief. I don't think it's a good long term plan, because at the end of the day, you're basically telling the kids to go out there and like, hey, like make money off your name, image and likeness and see how much you can get. Like these are 18 year old kids like they don't nothing about marketing and marketing themselves. But like. I think they that's should life be, lessons. But I'm saying they should be fight. They should be fighting for, like I said, like a base salary structure and not essentially a commission structure. Because guess what? The money is there. The money is there. The, they're making the money off of the tickets. They're making the money. Uh, they're making the coach's salary. That money is there. Understood. So they what? should be getting it regardless and, of what and you do with like a salary and, job. And I think and, that's where it should go. And that's what I said. In ten years, this is opening the door. That you can't just go from zero to a hundred. In, in one year, you have to build up to that. So that's where we are leading, I think. And this is a first step. But the other thing, too, JT, why can't you have both? Why can't you start with NIL five, six, seven years from now, players getting paid and because, still have the NIL? It's a brutal game. I come in my first year, I'm getting the NIL deal. And I'm assuming if I get hurt, I, I might not be making as much because I'm not marketable. But that base salary would be nice to fall back on if, okay, I'm, not, but, if I'm not but, making the plays on the field. But 
it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Again, you've got to build up to that. I'm not saying it would be great if it was overnight, but be realistic. It's not. But this is at least leading toward that path, right? Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just happy to see the players get some money in their pocket. Right. So, Coach Cassidy, uh, which program or programs in general will benefit most from the NIL deal, you think? Uh, I think the current powers to start, they can leverage the exposure that they already have and the talent that they already have and use that to, like, keep them, you know, going in the right direction. I also think some of the blue bloods in the sport that are kind of down might be able to leverage striking some NIL deals. Like a Texas? uh, uh, I was thinking more like Michigan, Nebraska, like teams that – just haven't been where their alumni and their fan bases would like them to be. Maybe even uh, Notre Dame wouldn't be fair because they're, they're, they're uh, going in the right direction. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if teams in uh, like big cities that don't necessarily have like a, a, a presence in the college football landscape, like Vanderbilt in Nashville or UNLV in Las Vegas can leverage some of the opportunities there in those markets uh, to get some recruits that otherwise would be going to more like the traditional uh, power schools right now. Yep. Nice. Nice. JT. I'm going to piggyback off of his point about the big city. So I have two schools in particular that I think are going to benefit the most. One, call me a homer all you want to. Uh, Miami is one of them. And then Oregon is the other one. The reason I think Miami is going to benefit the most from the NIL or any paying the players things that are going to happen in the future is Miami has access to three things that most college football locations don't sunshine, international money, and beautiful women. I'm sorry that they do like go find me a place in college football where that, that school has all three of those. That's a major thing. And the one thing about the Canes I can say being from Miami is that city loves that team and they love it even more when they're winning. That is more so than the Dolphins or any other team, that's the that's the city's team is the Miami Hurricanes. And you actually have people in Miami businesses that want to pay the players just because they're the players. Like, look at Nevin Shapiro. Like, there's hundreds of guys like that in Miami that want to pay the players just because they love the Miami program. They want them to be happy while they're playing there. They want us to win. So, and you already see it with Miami. you like, they're offering a base salary structure to their players. What there was a MMA gym or company that offered them what, like almost half a million dollars or more. And it basically comes out to like $500 a month per player, regardless of what you're doing. So it's like, what, like six grand a year. So they're already doing what I spoke about as far as being like a competitive advantage of they have people there that want to give the money. They're already saying, look, just come to the program. We're going to take care of you regardless if you see the field or not. So that's why I think Miami will be one of the teams that benefits. And then Oregon, just because it's Nike, like they are Nike. Like That's the biggest flex in the country in college sports. Well, I think USC and UCLA would argue your question as far as Miami, the only college team or college to have those three. It's, it's, I'm going I'm to tell you why Miami is different than the California schools in L.A. One, L.A. and Miami are totally different, even though they seem the same on but paper. You said those three points. Forget about everything else. You said those three things. Miami is the only school that has them. I, I would argue. LA, I don't think L.A. offers it as like my as Miami okay. does. Do well, a lot of that. people will disagree on that. And so, that's why you want to move back to Miami so, and not L.A., right? So I'm going to also piggyback off of what Coach Cassidy said, but going a little bit of a different route. I think the teams here that will benefit the most 
um, for a specific reason are the mid-major teams in cities, not just towns, right? Like in cities. So teams like Toledo, UCF, Memphis, even a team like San Diego State or San Jose State, right? The mid-majors, the group of fives, but those are big, you know, those are big enough cities, San Jose, San Diego, Memphis, Orlando. So the reason why I say that is there's money in those cities, maybe not as much as like a Miami or an LA or a New York, obviously, but there's still mo- first folks. There's money in Toledo. There's still, there. there's still money there. It, it is a city, right? They've got skyscrapers from what I've seen. They have tall buildings. There must be money there, right? Those are <laughs> office buildings. There's no NFL teams in those cities. All right. Even Memphis, Tennessee Titans are Nashville. Right. And then it has that attractiveness of a big city, no pro team, but a college field. And why I say they would benefit the most is you compare what city do we know what city Rice is in? Houston. Houston. All right. So, but there's NFL team and there's University of Houston there, right? So if you're looking at it, those teams in those conferences can distance themselves further from those other mid-major schools like a Rice, you know, to where that's why they would benefit the most because now that gap is already there, but UCF goes even higher than some of those other, uh, what is it, AAC schools. Yeah, because so, there's there's I, more opportunity for businesses it, in Houston and Orlando to it, funnel money to the program than Bowling Green. There you go. Thank you. All right, cool. So you guys are ready to talk about the conference mess with the SEC? We know you are. This was your topic. I'm so actually no. really not. Like, this is so stupid. So... Texas and Oklahoma are officially joining the SEC by, I think it's what, July 2025. So some people are calling the SEC a super conference, of course, once those teams join. So, guys, is this good or bad for college football in general? All right. Well, first, it's definitely good for the SEC, right? They just got two yeah, like uh, they need great brands. Yes, exactly, right? The the rich get richer. Um, it's good for Greg Sankey. Uh I'm not sure how good it is for Texas and Oklahoma, though, interestingly. I think that they just made their path to the playoff more difficult. And interestingly, also in this expansion talk, it's put on hold the playoff expansion. So not only have they made their path more difficult to get to the playoff, but the playoff's not expanding in size also. So it's even it's a it's twofold. It's a double They're going sword, into an right? SEC conference and there's just the same number of spots where it's had they four, stayed. There potentially could have been 12, like triple, right? There was, right? Talk, there was yeah. talk of, of about 12. Um, and the other thing I have to mention is that I think it's interesting that Texas is so focused on what conference they're in, but yet they can't even get their own institution in order. There's no alignment from the top to the bottom between the school leadership, the athletic department, having a coach in place for more than five years that they don't fire. And they wonder why they can't get recruits. And they're looking at their perceived little brother in Texas A&M who was number six or five in the rankings last year just missed the playoff and they benefited a a whole ton by going to the SEC and I think that's why Oklahoma and Texas are like all right cool Texas A&M had the flex of being in the SEC to get Texas recruits so guess what now we're going to go to the SEC and then we're going to see who comes out on top for recruiting in Texas 100% and so Texas can't just sit there and let their little brother get the best of them so what do they do um should be beating Iowa State, but that's another thing. 
Exactly. Right. Do you think it's because of the conference alignment or just the fact that he can't get it done on the field? I just all think good questions. Honestly, I think it's because they just see Texas A&M. They got a good coach. They got just as much money tied into boosters and they're getting the SEC credit, which means they're getting the recruits. They're getting the path to the national championship in the playoffs. So that they're, they're like, you know what? We can beat Texas A&M. So if we're in the SEC, we can at least do what they do. So I'm taking us way off course. And for that, I apologize. But to answer the question at hand, I do actually think it's good for college football in general because I think it's putting the ball in motion, much like we had the conversation about the NLI, just kind of like moving it forward towards where players are getting compensated. Like this is now we have this alliance between the other power conferences, even though Big 12 is getting left out. But it is spurning action from the rest of the college sports world to try to like solve the problems that college football is facing. And so it was like, it's like this first action, like the first domino to fall, which will move the sport forward. And I, I think ultimately will be good for, uh, for college football. Don, is yeah. this good? Yeah, I, I think it is, but it's in an indirect way, not the way the SEC fans may think. And it's kind of what you were alluding to coach that, I think this will speed up the process of one college football players being paid, which to me is, I think, a good thing for college football and the players. But because it's going to speed up the other conferences having to join forces and eventually and like you're seeing it, right, they're talking about scheduling alliances, whatever that may mean. But that is going to isolate the SEC. So the fans right now are excited in the SEC. We have this super conference. But in reality, it is turning the wheels in motion on college football shifting. So, like, if the other conferences can figure out, you know, ways to compete with getting the best players um, is by disassociating themselves with the NCAA, meaning the group of five guys, the rest of the power fives aligning themselves, getting away from the NCAA, this is going to pull that talent that's currently going to the SEC to them because they can, guess what, pay players. While the SEC stuck in their old ways of just worried about money and greed for the universities and the conference, the other schools can break from the NCAA. You've got 100 other schools compared to 16. Guess what? I'll take a lot more ratings and fans in the 100 schools naturally than the 16. So it's almost going to be like an AFL-NFL thing. And so – Again, players are going to stay longer. They're going to get paid. The football will be better in those in that kind of larger conference. And this will, I think, eventually get the SEC to come back. And then they just have major conferences everywhere, maybe like four major conferences. Everyone's in it and they can kind of figure it out from there. But and then group of fives will have a legit shot at the playoffs and, and at possibly winning the title. So I think the SEC doing this, they think it's a power move, but I think in the end, and I've told JT this, it's going to be their demise because the other schools and conferences, the Clemsons, Ohio State, Michigans, they got to realize they are in trouble and they have to think outside the box. And I think that's the way you do it. Disassociate yourself from the NCAA, the, the football portion of it, and start paying the players and the SEC is going to be in real trouble. I agree with you. Um, I think basically what's going to happen is you're going to get two to three super conferences and then anyone that's not in those conferences is basically going to have to drop down to like D1 AA or whatever they call it now. So I think that's what's going to happen. But you made a good point about the money because I think that's what this is about because I didn't know this, but 
the SEC basically owns all the television rights. ESPN owns all of the television rights for the SEC. And I think ESPN has all the rights for like the college playoff and national championship, right? Most of those, right? So if you're not in the SEC, then that gives you the opportunity to shop the rights for your games to other people. And it's like a bidding war. So that is how you get more money for, you know, these players, whether it's the NIL or something else, and you have more opportunities to, you know, get more money to the, to the athletes. So I do think that is what's going to be good for college football is it's, essentially a new revenue stream they're creating for the players in the future because they're not basically bogged down by ESPN and only having to show your games on there. So I do think in addition to what you said, that's what's going to be like the thing that's going to make this good for college football in general is more money for more players. Coach Cassidy, you know, don't be humble, jump in, get fired up, cut one of us off. If you feel we're wrong. No, you guys are right. It's all about these media rights deals with between the conferences and the, and the television networks. Um, and obviously ESPN is a big player, but like Fox has the BTN network and has like deals with uh, the big 10 and uh, the PAC 12 as well. Uh, but I, and I agree with like the points that you guys were making about, I think in the end, this is going to lead to a separation where we have a tier of football programs that are like, playing on a level that everyone else is not. And I think it's probably around like that power five number, like 64 or something like that. Um, and then like, then there's going to be a, a more of a drop off. I, I think JT, you were saying that like going down to, more towards like FCS. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I feel like FCS sounds so much nicer. Like D one double A just sounded disrespectful back in the day. Like, like, yeah, I'm D one. No, you're D one double A. Like they should go back to that. All right, so entering every football season, we know there is rumor of who will be the next NFL coaching prospect prospect from the college ranks this year. Again, is is no yeah, different. Why, you, why you even put this question here? I knew this was this is your question. See, this of course it's my question because it is a legit question. JT has this thing where only he thinks his questions are good and worthy to be discussed on the show. All right. I know Coach Cassie wants to talk about this. Listen, just be lucky I didn't put my dude PJ Fleck on on this list. All right. Row the boat, PJ. Keep rowing the boat. So there are two of the biggest names. Listen, you went there, JT. I wasn't going to say row the boat this year, but you went there. So I had to. It's so funny. You you got PJ hasn't even been on your mind for 10 months, right? I could tell. Like, you That's guys don't true. even follow PJ anymore. You guys are like the biggest bandwagon fans I know. Some people are reading his book over the summer. That's all I'll say. Ooh. So, two of the biggest names uh, to possibly make the jump are Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma and Matt Campbell of Ohio, of, of Iowa State. Excuse me. So, Coach Cassidy, which of these two coaches is the better NFL prospect, coaching prospect, in your opinion? All right. So, to answer this question, I, I have to like imagine myself as either an NFL owner or an NFL GM, right? The guy who's making the decision to hire one of these two coaches. Uh, and there's obviously an allure in hiring uh, Lincoln Riley. He's an excellent play caller. He's got a brilliant offensive mind. Um, and he obviously has a great talent for working with and developing quarterbacks. And so for all those reasons, he would be a very obvious choice in the NFL. But the bottom line is he's like, an air raid guy. He's he's his offensive strengths are from the college game and they're suited for the college game. And I don't think it's in like the zone read dual threat type quarterback play that we're starting to see. Um, and it's more in like the, the motions and the formations and the movements and all that stuff. 
Um, and so for that reason, uh, I just don't think he makes as much sense in the NFL as Matt Campbell. And the reasons I like Matt Campbell to be the NFL, the better NFL coach is he's just got like a more diverse background and broader experience. And he's like doing three things that I think especially would lend themselves well to the NFL game that translates between college and NFL. And one is he's just going to build like a program that is cohesive and has like a strong identity and culture. And I think that can translate from level to level. He's going to develop talent on the uh, AP preseason All-America team. The schools with the most first team players, Iowa State and Notre Dame with three. And that's not because he's out recruiting all the other schools. That's because he and his staff are developing talent. So I think that goes a long way in the NFL as well. And he's just like a proven winner. He's won at every level as a player in high school and college, as an assistant coach, bouncing around from school to school. He's been a Bowling Green, Mountain Union in D3, Toledo as the youngest coach in the FBS, and now winning at a place in Iowa State where people said, you know, it can't be done. Um, what I think is interesting is that he's kind of like turned down some offers uh, from the NFL at various points in his career. It'll be curious. And I think he was even basically turning down college offers last year. It'll be interesting to see if uh, one of these two guys leaves. See, coach said it was interesting. JT, what do you got to say? Well, he's also sitting next to you. So, I mean, he might be scared of you. Uh, I got to disagree. Coach C ain't scared of anybody. I got to disagree with you. I think it's not even close. I think it's Lincoln Riley because, yes, the NFL is obviously becoming more athletic at the quarterback position, but it's still about the quarterback position. And Lincoln Riley has shown anybody that plays for him is basically going to be a first-round pick, if not the number one overall pick. And all those guys he's had at Oklahoma, they're all different. Baker's different than Kyler. Spencer Rattler is different than those guys. Jalen Hurts had to leave the SEC because they said he couldn't pass. And he went there and had, you know, one of the better passing seasons that we've seen the past five years. So Riley has shown like he can coach the quarterback. And to me, that always is going to make you the better NFL coaching prospect. And to your boy, Matt Campbell's, I would say a negative. And I don't want to knock him either because obviously he's winning at Iowa State. Purdy has regressed. Like Brock Purdy, like since his freshman year has not been good. And they were lucky to get as far as they did last year. So what that tells me is, Maybe the strengths that he has, one of them is not the quarterback. And to me, that's the quickest way to get the hook in the NFL. See, but I think that's that's the difference. Yeah, who's more attractive? Lincoln Riley. But who's the better prospect? And that's Matt Campbell. Because you just said it. Lincoln Riley can develop QBs. Reminds me that Lincoln Riley is more of a college coach, similar to Urban Meyer, Chip Kelly, Cliff Kingsbury, right? Like, those guys can develop guys, sure, in terms of especially QBs, but can they do everything else? And they haven't proven that at the NFL level. We'll see with Urban Meyer, Cliff Kingsbury. It looks like he's not going to be able to do it. We saw what happened with Chip. Lincoln can dominate for a long time at Oklahoma. But like, honestly, he's in a great I don't, spot. I don't, think, I don't think it's fair to compare Chip Kelly to, to Lincoln Riley because I think they're totally different. Like, Chip okay, Kelly, like, what if you go look at why he didn't succeed in the NFL, like, He's just like a really bad play caller. It, it could have been see, any system. But see, like you can't again, win in the NFL calling five plays but, for the whole but year. But that goes back to you're looking at the attractiveness of the prospect, which, yeah, it would be Lincoln Riley. Heisman winners, develops quarterbacks. But guess what? And, Coach, you can maybe you, you can say I'm wrong, but college coaches are very good. But when you get to that next level NFL quarterback coach, 
Lincoln Riley's probably going to have very little to do with developing that quarterback. You don't know that. And so Matt Campbell doesn't need to develop the quarterback dis- at the I NFL level. With that. So you're trying to tell me you don't think Kyle Shanahan has anything to do with developing the quarterback okay, to play for but, him? Okay, but you know what the difference is? Kyle Shanahan has done it repeatedly in the NFL. This isn't college anymore, okay, JT. Okay, he had to get a start at some point. I just... I think Riley is better suited for today's NFL game. Like you have to get the quarterback right. And the quarterback has to get along with the coaching and the offensive coordinator, unless it doesn't work. Like if that doesn't work, the rest of your team is just fighting for third or fourth place at best. So this is why I would say Matt Campbell is, is better suited for the NFL and the better prospect. He beat Lincoln Riley last year. And you can say all you want with, oh, he can develop quarterbacks. When it came down to it, winning in the NFL, winning losses. It doesn't matter. You develop a quarterback because if you do, but you don't win, you're out. The next guy will come in and be like, thank you, Lincoln Riley, for developing this quarterback so I can be the coach to win a Super Bowl because I know how to coach the whole team. So right? This isn't college. So Matt Campbell, let me Lincoln finish. Riley let me finish. Because you, you're, you, th- you think he can't coach defense, but Oklahoma is just not defensive culture way before him. Like Oklahoma's defense hasn't been good in 10 so years. Like they weren't good when Stoops was there. So if you're that great of a coach, you should have fixed it. Matt Campbell comes in what Coach C just said. No one thinks he could do it there. Well, guess what? His overall management style, he's built it from his own program. That's impressive. And like I said, not only did they beat Oklahoma, but I know Lincoln Riley's a football junkie, but Matt Campbell's on a different level. Go read articles about him. Like he is on a you different level. Are such Dan Campbell fans. I, I, it's it's, it's Matt like. Campbell, Matt, Matt, Matt Dan Campbell. Yeah, you guys are Campbell. He fans. thinks we're like, talking seriously. about Dan Campbell. Dan, That's no, why he no, thinks no, Lincoln no, Riley's better. Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, the Lions coach. Like this is what this, this is what this reminds me of. Like Matt Campbell and Dan Campbell, they related. Oh, it seems like goodness. this is very similar. This like you guy. want the kneecap fighters, no, I want the guy to they, be the coach Mahomes. They are nowhere near the same. Are you kidding? Come on, go just, on. Just go to the next. I just want to add that Lincoln is making eleven million a year. Yeah, he can take about four million off, and that's enough to pay all the players for the whole year. All right, so you guys ready to get into, you know, what people really came to see, which is the predictions for the season? We know you are, so let's go. Oh, like you're not going to give your two cents. This is why why we do the show. All right, so what we're going to start off with is our preseason rankings. So we know the AP top polls came out. We don't give a damn about those because they don't know what they're talking about. So these are the polls that matter. So I want everyone to give me their top five teams. All right, so I went with uh, returning experience at quarterback amongst the top tier, uh, which is why Alabama is not at number one, unlike most AP poll voters. So I'm going to go with Rattler in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, DJ and Clemson, JT in Georgia, and then Alabama and Ohio State to round out the top five since those two are having new starters. That's not center. That's not our JT. No, right? no, 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 no. This JT, is JT Daniels. Daniels. Okay. So I was going to say our At JT. At this point, I might have the same arms. Our JT throws, used to throw six interceptions in a flight football game. So I don't know if Georgia wants him. But <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to do what JT normally does to me, Coach. So I'll do it to you. Is Alabama the national champion? Apparently they were. They're the defending national champ, right? Yeah. Nick Saban's still their coach, right? Still is. They still got a lot of talent. Five stars there, right? Devonta left. But they still got a lot they, of five stars. They got talent. So I got to go Alabama. I, I don't understand why, unless they lose all their players and have no one coming back, I don't know how 
we can sit here if we're going to do preseason rankings, which I think they should not have those, but we got to put Alabama number one. And then I've got Clemson number two, Ohio State three, Oklahoma four, Iowa State, Matt Campbell, not Dan Campbell, JT. Matt I know Campbell. there are two different people. I was it's, saying it's you number guys five, Dan Campbell now, fans too. Now I will say this: I'm not going to say they're going to end up this way, but we're talking preseason, preseason. yeah, preseason it's rankings. Okay. That's you, my five. I, you know, you know, you're going to be wrong. Just put it on camera. We're not, we're not holding you accountable yet. That's my five. You guys, your five. Yeah. So real quick, my five are Oklahoma one, Bama two, Clemson three, Ohio State four, and I got Cincinnati at five. Now here's the thing about Bama. I agree with you that you're right. They they should be number one because they won a national championship. I agree with you on that premise. But here's the thing that scares me about Bama, why I can't commit to them to being the number one team. Yes, Bama is always known for reloading at all type of skill positions, right? Like Devonta Smith, you know, you knew he was going to be a beast, even though Ruggs and Judy and those guys were taking off. thing with Bama is you usually know who that guy is before it's their time to start. Who are the Devonta Smiths? and uh Jalen Walls this year well they got Mechie they got Mechie he's the next guy up but other than Mechie who we don't even know he hasn't shown me enough to let me know that oh he's gonna be a Devonta who is the who are the other guys like name the other band receivers I don't I wouldn't necessarily always say we know who the next no but but that's the point that's the point about Bama the fact that you can't tell me who the who the receivers are gonna be that lets you know that they haven't been making the splash plays that's, in limited reps nah, like they that, have been doing in the past. That, that's like not Devonta true. Smith was catching passes in the national championship game as a freshman. <laughs> so you knew when it was going to be his time. It's like, oh, but, he's going to be the next man up. But, Same thing with Waddle. Like guys were talking about Waddle and Smith when Ruggs and Judy were being toted as top 10 picks. I just think this is the chance for Bama to slip because I don't know if these guys that are next up are going to be just transcendent guys. I don't know that yet. That's the only reason I put them number two. That's fine. I I just think they should, should still be number one. They still got Nick Saban. and they still going to have a lot of guys. So, but that's fine. All right. So I would say one of our favorite segments, I know this is definitely JT's favorite segment is predicting no, how this, right about this, how the, uh, okay. We'll, we'll just ignore that There's comment no is yeah, go, go pull the tape and you let me know is predicting how the season will play out and, of course, making some specific predictions um, as well. This is why we have Coach Cassidy on the show as well, give the fans some insight into the upcoming season and what to look for. So, Coach Cassidy, I'll start with you first. Who do you have as the most overrated team? All right, so my criteria here for being overrated was where they are in the preseason AP poll. So I've selected Penn State. They came in at number 19. They finished last How year. How dare they put them so high? Right? Uh, <laughs> they finished last year with a losing record of four and five, and this was with losses to Powers, Maryland, and Nebraska. All right? Uh, so they're also slotted only one spot behind Iowa this year. I was at 18, and Iowa beat Penn State at Penn State last year by 20 points. So – giving you a little, you know, taste of your own medicine. Like, is it still James Franklin? Right. Is it still Kirk Ferentz in Iowa? Like what has changed that Penn state is now just nipping at their heels in these preseason rankings. In fairness, Michael Parsons didn't play last year, but I get you. They still didn't win. No, that is fair. That is fair. Now, the other thing I'm looking ahead a little bit to their schedule, obviously they're, they're in the big 10 East. Ohio state is still there. 
They've got a crossover game with Wisconsin to open the season. They're also hosting Auburn to open the season. They've got non-league games against Ball State and Villanova as well. It's not inconceivable that Penn State starts at two and two before getting into the teeth of their league schedule. But does that mean that they're not worthy of number 19? I, I know what you're saying. Okay. Well, they look can't at, be a loser and then be in the top 25. But look year. at then some of the other schools that are below them in the poll, like Coastal Carolina, Louisiana. Oh, don't get him started on Coastal Carolina. But maybe the talent, but maybe the talent at Penn State is better. And that's why they're 19, right? And I'm not defending Penn State. I'm just saying this is the problem with preseason rankings. I don't think there should be any, but if there are going to be some, I see why they're putting them there. They're not trying to predict how they're going to end up, right? This is where they stand based on what they've seen, returning starters, and you know, new guys coming in. That's fair. But I, I do see your point, but I, I don't think that they're trying to project out what the season's going to end up being. He's basically saying he's not agreeing with you in a nice no, way. That's no, not, no, that's, that's, that's not necessarily that's true. I'm just playing the other side of, I think, yeah. how they make these rankings based. No, on. I hear you, but I still think they're the most overrated. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Like, in the end, yeah. it, it may be I'm that curious to hear what you, you shouldn't have put them at 19. JT? I think this is easy. It's North Carolina. And oh, he stole mine. Part of it. Part of it is we probably have the same one because we hate Carolina because we're ACC guys. And this I'm a little bit biased, obviously, but I'm already not really high on Sam Howell as quarterback. And they're talking about him being a top draft pick. But here's the thing with North Carolina. They're number 10. And I get it. You know, to, to your point about doing well the previous year and the rankings should reflect that they've earned that. But here's what I look at. No Javonta Williams, no Michael Carter at running back. Say what you want. That is probably the best running back tandem, probably the best, like the past 10 years. And nobody's talking about them not being there anymore. That's a quarterback's best friend is you can hand it off to two NFL guys. Also, too, Daz Newsom and Damani Brown, wide receivers, they're also gone. Brown is tearing it up for the Washington football team right now in the preseason. He might be on the field all season. So you're telling me those four guys are gone? And the only thing that's coming back is the quarterback. And I'm supposed to think they're just going to be a top 10 team. Uh-uh, I'm not seeing it happen. Yeah. I, like I said, you, you stole mine. I have a couple honorable mentions, but you know, they lost those four guys, offensive skill positions, not just guys that may and be on the defense. Players. Like those right. guys were, were exactly. really good players. Exactly. And when those guys leave, that's hard to replace. And keep in mind, guys, they lost to Florida State and Virginia last year. Neither guys. of those teams, I know Florida State always has the name and they're always going to have talent, but neither of those teams were like awesome teams. So they lost two of those. And I think the ACC's improved. Florida State's improved. Miami, Pitt's improved. Like Virginia Tech's probably going to be improved. NC State's getting some buzz. Exactly. So they're not sneaking up on anyone. I told you this about the Cleveland Browns when we, when we had a show a couple weeks ago that when you now have that target on your back the way UNC does and you don't have those guys, right, the Javante Williams. Um, so it, it's harder. It's harder. You're not going to be able to, to cruise through. Listen, they may beat Miami and they may put points on Miami, but I can almost guarantee that they will not do to Miami what they did last year with those two running backs, right? Like they set all sorts of records in the history of the NCAA. I mean, they're basically so, Cadillac and Ronnie Brown. Like yeah, they were that, that good. No, that is, seriously, like that's all they did. They and, just and hand so, it off and Howell just makes easy passes. And so I don't think 
they're a top 10 team. And it's not because I think they're going to lose games throughout the year. They are. But right now, if we're looking at talent, I think they're basing a lot of it on Mac Brown and Sam Howe. And that can only take you so far. You either better have some dogs on defense or you better have those skill guys ready to go. Exactly. And I don't think Mac Brown and Sam Howell were as responsible for as many wins as people think yep. they were. I agree. I agree. So I'm Cook, glad you guys agree. We, we finally do. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Sorry, it's kind of at your expense. So, but see, coach, that's what you do. You bring everyone together. Kumbaya. You know what I mean? Don't like, worry. We're about to be together. far apart. <laughs> this next here, one, so. yo, here, here we go. Uh, Coach Cassidy, I'll start with you. Most underrated team. All right. Uh, I'm going with uh, the Liberty Flames. Uh, so they got Hugh Freeze back. He's a pretty good coach. Uh, they've got Malik Sanction Willis. Freeze. Yeah. Uh, who's getting a lot of uh, love uh, for what he can do and is probably going to have some NFL draft stock uh, improvement as a result. They return a ton of starters on both sides of the ball. They've got a favorable schedule. Um, remember last season they were 10 and one and uh, were basically like a field goal um, that got blocked away from being undefeated. They beat a good Coastal Carolina team last year in their bowl game uh, and finished the year off at number 17. Uh, and they beat like, you know, two ACC teams in Virginia Tech and Syracuse. So we're talking about a pretty solid resume. Um, with a lot of talent coming back, and they are unranked. And so I would say that they are my most underrated. Nice. JT? I like it. I like it. That's, yeah. that's why I like him on the show. He's it, always going to give you the guys you never think about. I appreciate he, that. So, so this is why you just need to listen to this show if you're a fan of ours or a fan of college football. You don't need to listen to all that other fluff and filler stuff. For me? On other shows. For me, it's USC. And I honestly, I'm baffled at how low they're ranked. What they're what, 24? And you look at, first of all, I looked at their schedule. They, there's no Oregon on the schedule. And the only game that they could possibly lose is Notre Dame. And I don't think Notre Dame has enough to beat them this year. So you're talking about the best team, in my opinion, in the Pac-12, easy schedule. And then you got probably one of the best quarterbacks, who I actually believe is a good quarterback, in Slovis coming back and then he's got guys like drake london and brew mccoy to throw to like that team is gonna eat and they were five and one last year in a shortened season what did they see from usc with all that coming back and their resume from last year that said yeah this is the 24th best team in the country don't get it maybe they just didn't see enough of them yeah but you know who's on the team but to me that's yeah just by them being ranked so low and what they have coming back they gotta be the most underrated team I'll get back to USC a little later on the show. I bet you will. I, I'm going to go most underrated. I think one of you two said it earlier, and I don't even know if they're ranked. I didn't even look through the rest, but it's NC State. They could get no, off. They're definitely not ranked. They could get off. <laughs> they could get off to are they are they ranked? No, no, no. no, no. Okay. No. So they could get off to a five and one record. So this doesn't need – I'm not saying this team's going anywhere, but we're talking about underrated. Like, don't sleep on them if you're a Florida State or anywhere in the ACC because their offense, JT, can play with the best of them, all right? They have the guys up front. They got Grant Gibson at center, probably maybe the best overall center in, in this year's uh, college football. They have one of the best run blockers. Try to get his name right. Akeem Ekwunu. 
So they got you, two guys I'm, on the line. I'm trusting you. Usually good with name pronunciation. I, so I got I it. I don't, I don't challenge you on that. When you say the person's yeah. name, that's their name. There we go. And Zonovan Knight running back, and then Emeka Amizi, I believe, the receiver. So they got guys that can put points up. So I'm not saying they're going to go anywhere, but they may have it's, that. It's just an underrated team. They, We're not they, holding you Yeah, because they may have that one upset, and people are going to be like, oh, they under they underestimated them. And to me, that's an underrated team. And maybe they don't have the best defense, but they can put up points with anyone. And so you got to look out. So similar to that, though, what about a sleeper team? Sleeper team. Yeah, because Liberty is kind of that sleeper team, but I like them as a most underrated. That, that was a good call. So there. Liberty receives 36 votes in the AP preseason poll. NC State received 14. There you go. See, they should have been ranked. They should have been ranked. So my sleeper team received two AP poll votes, and they run one of the sleeper offenses, which I actually truly love. All right, uh, some midline triple. I'm going with the Army Black Knights. I'm going with a program that's just consistent under Coach Jeff Monken. They're returning seven starters on offense. Three of their uh, leading receivers are back. Funny enough, they only caught 14 balls on the year last year, but that's oh, that all right. About, that sounds like Army. They also have a favorable schedule uh, with three bye weeks. Uh, so they, they have their opening set of games and then they have a bye week to get ready for their two, uh, power five opponents. Then they have another bye week to get ready for the second half of their, uh, independent schedule and then finish out the year with Navy. Um, but I think that like, you know, when army's having a good year, you'll find them in the, you know, the bottom section of that AP poll in that like 18 to 25 realm. Uh, and I expect this year to be no different. They'll be disciplined. They'll take care of the football. They'll chew the clock up. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll be in every single game. They'll probably give a, uh, you know, uh, you know, their opponents a lot to a lot to prepare for and think about. And uh, so the triple always always causes some problems. And uh, that's Indeed my sleeper it does. team. You know that you know their season always comes down to the Navy game. So we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean they're going to win the Commander and uh, Commanders and he, Chief Trophy again. Yes, JT, yes. he called it here first. Yeah, we definitely will be running that back. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got, JT? Sleeper team. So, honestly, this team is – I almost had them in the underrated team, but they're really a sleeper team. And the reason I'm picking them is because I think they can legit crash the party. Uh, I mean, don't don't say you took my team again. I mean, like, the party, like the VIP party. They can crash okay. It. And it's Nevada. Oh! And- <laughs> what, what do I got here, Coach? Amazing. Hey, we're, we're on the same page, JT. Hey, this was not planned. We obviously know what we're talking about. but That's crazy. I, the reason – you can tell – you can obviously give your reasons why you picked them, but I picked them for, for two reasons. One, I looked at their schedule, and mm-hmm. I don't see anybody on that schedule that could shut down the quarterback, Carson Strong, who I like, who I think is very underrated. And they got two receivers that are beasts, uh, Dobbs and Cooks. So yep. Yep. I don't see anybody on that schedule that can stop them. So I think they probably have the easiest path to double-digit wins this season. And if you're not losing games and you got 10 wins, yeah, somebody in the top five is going to mess up and, you know, here comes a Nevada. They could be like the traditional, like, boys yep. State team that crashes the party. Yeah, and, and I picked them not as most underrated, but sleeper because they're going to be that team when they get the six and seven and zero, mm-hmm. and and come what October November when the playoff rankings start be this year, Utah people are going to be like, oh, Nevada's that good? Whoa, like where'd they come from? It's like, yeah, watch some football, will you? Like they're Mountain West Conference, so 
I think that's a respectable the definition power. of sleeper. Like I, I think watching that, the Mountain West. But I think that's a respectable because of what teams like Boise State teams and before them, that is a respectable group of five. Definitely. But to add on to what you said, Carson Strong, QB, big arm. You know, I love quarterbacks like that. But JT, here's the stat for you, as well as Coach Cassidy will appreciate this. Four TDs last year by by uh Carson Strong that traveled. 50 plus yards in the air. This wasn't a 30 yard pass turned in 50 more yards by the receiver. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like this was legit old school. Go deep. I've got the arm. This is I'm Ben gonna... Roethlisberger, five touchdowns in the Ohio winter. He says that's why he loves it. It's just a it's a guy that he thinks the Steelers should get. So no other guy had more than one. Goes to show you. And then you said it. Uh Romeo Dubes and Elijah yes. Cooks. Right, the pass catching weapons, Cooks, Coach C, six four two fifteen. Mm. The guy's a beast. So the air raid, we love the air raid. So air I'm up. with you, JT. Like, Definitely just, the sleeper just look team. At, look at the look at those three guys and show me a team on their schedule that can stop them from putting up thirty points a game. I, I just I well, I can't find. Should it. be fun people, to watch. It will, but people will argue. Well, it's because their schedule. So. I mean, well, they did the same thing with BYU. I mean, yeah. with Zach Wilson balled. So, but, but it doesn't mean they're not a sleeper team, even yeah. if the schedule's not as hard. Yeah. All right. So, this is kind of a fun one. Most this likely so to dis, most likely to disappoint. <laughs> this, is so this is so easy. Who you got? Come on, JT? bring it home. I, I know you know who the, the right answer is. Well, you're going with Florida State. Nah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't JT, expect you go. They're most JT, likely to do nothing. No, I'll go ahead. I got Indiana. And it actually kind of pains me to uh, pick Indiana in this category because I really enjoyed following their season last year. And I felt like they were just a good feel good story for everybody. A lot of people, um, you know, just kind of jumping on on their bandwagon and cheering for them. Um, And so this year, after all the success they had last year, uh, I feel like the expectations are are high for them. And as a result, they're kind of just like in a position where uh, disappointment may be the case. So we were talking about quarterbacks and their health uh, and Michael Penix knee, you know, getting injured yeah, late in the year sure. um, questions in the run game. They've got really tough challenges on their schedule this year. They've got to go to Iowa. They're hosting a tough Cincinnati team, uh, challenging Minnesota team uh, in their crossover game. Uh, and then, you know, they're not sneaking up on anyone this year in the past. Indiana has been like an afterthought, right? Especially for many of the teams in the big 10 East, but that's not the case. Uh, and, you know, they didn't finish great last year, losing in their bowl game to Ole Miss. So, you know, I think momentum is always important in that regard. So they're my pick for the most likely to disappoint. You guys are killing me. No, I, I, I like that. I can't I like be asking pick. these questions. You Look, I had to put three down because I knew someone would pick in the end. I like, the, I like that pick. I, I love it. Them is, um, of course, it's all based on Penix's health, but they got a transfer from Florida State that I think is legit if he can get his head right. DJ Matthews, like – I'm telling you, like they, if Penix is healthy, that's going to be a serious weapon for them to have, and they can make some noise. But yeah, definitely, I I think they can be a one that disappoints. For me, it's easy. It's Georgia. Like they are literally guaranteed to disappoint you every year based on their preseason rankings. It's like it's it's like death taxes, and Georgia will not finish where they <laughs> where they started in the preseason polls. Like this is the easiest answer. And honestly, you can't even blame me for picking Georgia because any other answer besides that is just 
is 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 wrong. It's it's Georgia. Georgia will disappoint if there's Georgia fans listening. You already know it. We know it, and there's nothing else to explain. You know, we don't share our answers before Damn we sure go because you, you will steal them. So I always write down like two, at least two, and you guys took both of them. So I'm not even answering this because I had Indiana and Georgia. Come on, more office. So he has nothing to say. Next. See, you right. you guys, you guys are as smart as me now. So next. <laughs> or maybe we were just carrying you all this time. But anyway, so we're talking about uh, the players. We're shifting from the teams to the players. So we're going to get some player predictions. So um, just real quick, I want everyone, give me your top three. No particular order, just top three players in college football this year. All right. I've got uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, DN from Oregon, as one. Uh, Desmond Ritter is two. And then I've got uh, number three on my list here is Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross. Ooh. And I don't know if we're allowed to be talking about these guys, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about Justin Ross. Go ahead, I, talk about as, Justin as, Ross. We, as we may know that he missed last season with a neck injury. And the previous two years, he's one of Trevor Lawrence's top targets. Um, we're putting out measurables. He's 6'4", 205. He's got incredible ball skills, huge catch radius, just goes up and gets the ball. That's not uh, if you've like got every some Clemson receiver, to be honest. With oh, you. it's amazing. If you've got some free time, just Google some of his catches. They're, they're jaw-dropping. Oh, we um, saw him kill it in the, the college football playoffs as a freshman. Don was saying he was the next Randy Boss. No doubt. Um, and so he's actually been named to the uh, preseason All-American team. So uh, I'm really, really excited to see him back on the field. Wow, that's crazy. I, I actually, at one point, JT, you had it totally. You did, you did go back on it, yeah. I, I didn't go back on. I never said it. Actually, Coach Cassidy, I I think he's a little overrated. You do, yeah. You All right. I think that. I think people I think people remember that playoff run as a yeah, freshman, and I think he's a little overrated. But his Coach, sophomore campaign, he had 800 yards and 18 TDs. Over that was that was the that was the fallback because they thought he was going to take that next step and he didn't. Yeah, because he was unstoppable in the college football yeah. playoffs his first yeah. year. But I mean. I like I do like the other two names a lot. I've got Daryl Derek Stingley Jr. as number one. You know, LSU secondary guys outside of Miami. Can, can they're I, they're can my I ask you a question about Derek Stingley Jr. And I had an argument uh with Mike about this the other uh literally last night. Um, I'm all for Derek Stingley because he's in my top three too. And I get it. Physical freak, like he everything about the dude physically translates to the NFL, but like if he wasn't Derek Stingley Jr. and he put up the same numbers so far in his career at LSU, would you consider him like a top three player still? But I don't think it's about the numbers he puts up. It's just his. We're talking about the top three players. Yeah. And so part of it's the numbers. But the other thing is just the pure talent, too. The presence, right. I mean, I Justin Ross didn't play last year, but Coach Cassidy feels talent wise. He's a top three guy. And so I won't disagree with that. Because that's his opinion. But like going to your question, Derek Stingley Jr., okay, maybe part of it's the name, but the dude can play. There's a reason why he's on everyone's top five list and Vegas has some I, odds hear, on him. They have some odds saying, on him for win the Heisman. Yeah, I feel like people Brethren are saying that he is like he's basically like the next Charles Woodson. And I'm like, he's not even putting up stats that other LSU DBs and having that presence like what, they've had in the past. Like what Patrick are stats? Peterson and like Honey Badger. Whoa, whoa, like- whoa, whoa. That, that's not true because the stats, okay, is one thing. You're a cornerback. You can only have so many stats. But the presence, I'm pretty sure when he didn't play last year, they got torched. So, but when he did play, they were not as bad. 
I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for somebody to convince me that I I feel like it will work out because I feel like he's got Jalen Ramsey to him where it's like you see him and he's got the he's got the physical skills and the NFL coaching staff will get him to do it. But I just feel like if he wasn't rivals rated already coming in, like he wouldn't be getting this kind of hype. But nonetheless, I'm shooting myself in the foot. He is in my top three as well. But who are your other two? All right. So number two, I've got Kayvon Thibodeau. Great, great, uh, great player and, and good call there, coach. And then number three, Bryce Hall, the running back, Iowa State. He's the first. Here's the question for you guys, right? This is you. Don't look at my notes, coach. Usually have some trivia at the end, JT, but here it is. He's the first FBS player to run for at least 75 yards and a touchdown in every game last year. He's the first one to do it since 2000. Who was the guy in 2000? Say it again. Ricky Williams. First FBS player to run for at least 75 yards and one touchdown in every game. That sounds like some Reggie Bush stuff. Nope. Not even Reggie did it. Ricky Williams was my guess. Nope. Damian Tomlinson. Wow. Yes. So Bryce Hall, number three. JT. So, you know, just for the record, I didn't know exactly how that top three thing was. Was it the best three? Or the three were most defending Justin Ross. Don't change it. No, no. We'll get, you know, to some other picks later as we get towards Heisman. Okay. All right. So, so to play devil's advocate, Stingley is on my number three. But um, since you took him, I'm going to go with the guy I had as fourth. Um, just so we won't sound like we're doing the same thing. And the third was Evan Neal, the offensive lineman from Bama. I mean, six seven three sixty. I mean, and he's playing at Bama. I mean, he's going to be a top 10 pick. So I like him. Um, the other two are Kayvon Thibodeau, which everyone has. All I had to do was just turn on the game against uh, Elijah Vera Tucker from last year in USC. And like, that's the only dude that gave him problems. So uh, Thibodeau, I think is going to be a beast for sure. And then Spencer Rattler, like he is the best quarterback in college football returning. So, and he's in the Lincoln Raleigh system. So those are my top three players. All right. So you kind of, you kind of started this with the players, but what we want to do is want to go, let's go under the radar. So I'm assuming people have more than one. So answers won't be stolen, but give me one guy or two guys that is the under the radar guy that at, by the end of the year, people all over the country will know about. All right. You know, I love the Iowa run game, so I'm going with Iowa running back Tyler Goodson, who uh, shared the load last year uh, with Makai Sargent, who's now in the NFL. Um, But he finished the year strong with 400-yard games in the final six, finished with over 700 yards rushing and seven TDs, so he's going to be the main running back. Uh, So he'll, you know, generate most of the production there for an offensive, you know, likely be pretty productive, and I think by the end of the the year he'll be sort of like a well-known name. I've got the quarterback of Liberty coach Malik Willis, former Auburn quarterback. He's probably the nation's uh, top dual QB threat. So no one really kind of knows his name right now, even though true college football fans do, but he's going to be that guy again, come mid season looking around, people are going to be like, Oh, Malik, Malik Willis, first round pick. Oh, I want him on my NFL team. So Malik Willis. Good pick. Good pick. Coach. I see you're Justin Ross, and I raise you Joe Nagata. I think he's going to be the Clemson receiver that does it all this year. I mean, they're basically the same size. What, 6'3", 220? You forget, Nagata was a five-star prospect just a couple years ago. And I think he's going to be the next big Clemson receiver, especially when we don't know 
who's going to take over for Travis Etienne and get that run game going. So I think he's going to be the guy that at the end of the year, people going to be like, you know what? I necessarily didn't know who he was, but we do now. How nice. We did not have Good the pick. same players. Look at you guys. Progress. All right. So who's one guy do you think will have a breakout season? All right. I got Emory Jones, QB from Florida, uh, a true dual threat who most guys probably know about from like coming in and taking run snaps, uh, like QB run um, when Trask was off the field. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so this is this is a guy who's recruited and signed by Dan Mullen, handpicked for his offense. And remember, Dan Mullen was the coach of Dak Prescott, Tim Tebow. So he is like develops these dual threat quarterbacks um, and has he's a great an track guy that should be considered he an offensive guy. Um, and so I just think that's going to set up Emory Jones really well. So a lot of guys know he can run the ball really effectively, but he's got great arm strength, uh, great arm talent. Uh, so I think he's going to have a great year for Florida. I know you got the same person as me, but go ahead. No, I'm going to go Charleston Rambo of the U <laughs> transfer from Oklahoma. JT last, but listen. No, no, I don't. I, I'm just glad listen, you didn't pick my guy, he, but yeah. He's going to climb up the draft board. The dude has talent. And I think Lashley finally has a guy he trusts that not only can go deep, it knows how to go deep, but can catch the ball. You know, he's not out there being Mark Pope dropping oh, the ball. Anything to right? get those guys – Less well, Mike Harley's not with. Mike Harley's not the deep threat though, right? That's supposed to be what Hope and in, in Wiggins, I think. Mm -hmm. So, Rambo is the guy. He's going to be in an offense that throws the ball a lot. He's going to play some ACC defenses outside of you know a pit, um, or potentially you know I don't know how UNC or Virginia Tech's defenses, but he's going to play some defenses that aren't as strong as like a pit, de pit defense may be the best defense he faces all year. So other than that, though, you know, he's got kind of a, a favorable – well, I take that back. He's got Alabama, right? So I take that back. He's got Alabama, Michigan State, and Pitt, probably the top three defenses he'll face. But some of those other ACC teams, I think he can have big games against. But I think even against the Bama, he can get some explosive plays, and that'll be enough to have a breakout year to be known by the NFL scouts. Nice. I like it. I mean, for me, it's got to be DJ Ugalele, like the quarterback for Clemson. All I got to say about him is Trevor Lawrence, generational talent. This guy's a generational talent, too. I don't know. Have you guys ever watched the, the QB1 show on Netflix? All right, cool. You should. Definitely a really good show. All I got to say about this dude, I knew he was going to be the real deal when basically what they do is they follow around the top high school quarterbacks and they chronicle their last year. They were chronicling the guy that was starting over him as a senior, and they had to let you know who the sophomore was that was out throwing him and out playing them in the practice, and it was DJ. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, that dude's going to be special. Sure enough, he turned out to be the number one quarterback prospect, and the guy that he was starting in front of him is uh, the Dorian Thompson kid that's starting at UCLA. But that, that's all you need to know. The kid's been a stud since he was basically born, and now he's with Dabo at Clemson. He's going to have a breakout season. There's no way around it. All right, so best transfer. Who is that guy for you? All right, I'm going QB Jack Cohn from uh, Wisconsin to Notre Dame. We're talking about the starting QB at a top 10 team, so it's got to be pretty, you know, significant. Um, and I actually think, like, his skill set translates perfectly to what Notre Dame has and can do from Wisconsin. So it's going to be a very seamless transition. Um, you know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to rely on like arguably the best tight end room in the country. And we know the tight ends are always a quarterback's best friend. 
Um, and so I just think he's well-suited to be successful at Notre Dame under Brian Kelly, who works well with the quarterbacks and who in announcing Cone as a starter said it was his experience coming in uh, that gave him the edge in the, in the competitive quarterback, uh, you know, competition there at Notre Dame. Nice. Are you doubling up with Rambo as the best transfer? No. So interestingly enough, I am not. I thought about it, but the question was, who was the best transfer pickup by a team, right? So the way I look at it is, who's he going to? How are they using him? And how can he help the team? Hmm. And it's Eric Gilbert. This guy was the number one tight end prospect, went to LSU, transferred to Florida, never played for Florida. And now where where is he? Georgia. Right. So he's going to get playing time, disappointment. but he's going right, to get though. playing time, big time program. And he's so good, guys, that he was the number one tight end prospect. He's so big, physical, athletic that he's now a wide receiver. Like that is the best pickup by any team. Rambo is going to help Miami a lot. There's no doubt. But Gilbert is probably the best actual pickup by a team. All right. I like those. All right, so uh, obviously everyone wants to know the Heisman pick. So give me a Heisman pick and um, a dark horse. All right, so we know that the Heisman, unfortunately, has become like the quarterback on the best team. Or, you know, it was nice to see Devonta Smith win it last year uh, to break that trend. So it would be easy to talk about JT Daniels or Bryce Young or Spencer Rattler or DJ, one of those guys who's likely going to be in the playoffs. Uh or the last man standing, but I'm trying to get a running back back in the mix. So, Don, you were talking about Brees Hall earlier in the show. I'm going with Iowa State RB, Brees Hall. He finished in the top 10 in Heisman voting last year with over 1,500 yards and 21 TDs, and I think he's going to keep that production rolling for Iowa State this year and improve upon it. Um, And he's my Heisman pick. My dark horse, I'm going with another running back from within the Big 12. I'm going with Bijan Robinson, who had an explosive freshman campaign, but didn't touch the ball a whole lot. Um, but under JT's boy coach Sark, he'll get more carries uh, and his numbers will improve. And, uh, you know, he could be a Heisman dark horse there. What you guys have? I mean, you guys are just stealing all my stuff. This is unbelievable. You got to ask me the questions first. Come on. I will, you can't. I will say this about Brees, Brees Hall. I, I like him as a player. Only thing that worries me about him is I know he led FBS in rushing yards last year, and I, I think it was because of the volume. But if Purdy can't play, I think they might be shutting him down. So mm. we'll see if Brock Purdy like develops, and if he doesn't, I think it's going to be a rough year for him. Mm. Relax, no one's getting shut down. The guy's <laughs> trying to win a Heisman. He's trying to make Iowa State into a playoff contender. Yeah, this guy, running this, backs. this guy's yeah, a com- getting shut down. This guy's a competitor. I got Brees Hall as well, Coach. Good winning, pick. winning it. Good pick. And I actually had Bijan Robinson. Are y'all like on the Iowa State payroll? I, I had yeah, <laughs> football show is talking about Iowa Matt, State. Matt but Campbell's become y'all the got new, an NIL deal with Matt, them or something. Matt Campbell this make no sense. Matt Campbell's become the new PJ Fleck. Is Matt? Did Matt Campbell just come to the school and do one of those it, like recruiting visits and, and, and talk to the coaches staff? It was, it was Dan Campbell. <laughs> so I also had Bijan Robinson, but my other dark horse is Slovis from USC. Mm-hmm. I think being a quarterback, even though it's West Coast, it is still USC. And like That's you said, JT, yo, the, the schedule's not as tough. So he's going to put numbers up. USC always has the weapons, they always got fast guys. So 
he's the quarterback. He's kind of the head of the monster. He's going to be the man. And if they can put together that 10 and one, 11 and one undefeated type season, ooh, it's going to be hard not to give him the Heisman, especially if he beats Notre Dame. Mm. Yeah, I like those picks. I'm not going to overthink this one. It's Spencer Rattler. And I, I just think it's just it's perfect storm. Riley, he's got the experience now. He's got the weapons. He's got the team. I don't think the Big 12 is going to be as good as it people said it was last year. Um, I think it's going to be really easy for him to be in the top two. And then my dark horse, um, I'm going to go with De'Ara King. I'm going to buy into everyone saying that he's healthy and that he's over that knee injury. And if he is, I don't see any reason why year two in Rhett Lashley's scheme that he shouldn't ball out because we got weapons. We got running back weapons they're not talking about. We got wide receiver weapons, including your boy Rambo that's there. And we got a good tight end, even though we lost Brevin Jordan. I like I like him a lot. Listen, I love De'Ara King. There's, there's no doubt he's a great player, especially for the U. But this is going to be the problem with him trying to win the Heisman, JT. He plays Bama. I love Miami. Do you honestly see them winning that game as the opener? Here's the thing. No, I don't. But if you were asking me this question with last year's Bama team, I I wouldn't even entertain that question. But honestly, I just I think. But see, what has changed? What has changed with Miami that you're so confident? I don't know. I just think when you have a quarterback, you got a chance. Do they beat Clemson in the ACC title game if Miami gets there? I think we got a 50-50 shot. (laughs) See, all of those, like Miami would have to go undefeated in to the playoffs for him to win the Heisman. They can't just go 10 and two and get smacked in the ACC title game or go 10 and two and get smacked by Bama well, maybe you don't and know. then maybe lose I'm to like a Pitt or UNC. Maybe I'm predicting big things for the Kings. You just got to wait and find out. Well, you didn't seem confident enough. All right. So let's go to conference predictions, conference winners, guys. All right. So I'll give, we'll go real quick. I'll give the conference and then you tell me who you've got as the winner. We're going to do power five conference champions. Let's start with the big 12 coach C big 12. Oh my God. Just say JT. Oh my God. My head says Oklahoma. My heart says Iowa state. I'm going with my heart. Iowa state. I've got Iowa state too, because, oh, wait. Matt Campbell, not Dan Campbell, beat Lincoln Riley last year. JT, who you got? Oklahoma. Next conference. Let's go with the Pac-12. Coach C? The championship goes through the north. It is Oregon. Ooh. JT? USC. I got USC as well. JT, I got a funny feeling we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, uh, have some of the same picks again. Big 12. We already did them. Big 10. Or I'm sorry, Big 10. Big 10. (laughs) The Big Uh, 10. Ohio State. Ooh. JT? Maryland. No, I'm joking. It's Ohio State. (laughs) I've got Wisconsin, guys. You've got Graham Mertz. He had over 1,200 yards in seven games last year. I know we're only supposed to give a team, but I got to explain this one, right? No, you don't. Just say it. And then they've got – Eight starters, Coach C, you're going to like this. They got eight starters returning on defense. That's where you win games. On defense, where they were only giving up 17 and a half points per game last year to begin with. So I got Wisconsin. SEC, who you got? I'm going with Georgia. 
I think the West is so competitive and Alabama's a little bit down. Uh, Georgia's pass can be a little bit easier to the championship game and that'll push them over the edge. Why do we say Alabama? Both of you have said Alabama's down. Are you guys oh, crazy? I said a have, little bit. Have down. you not watched what the dude that runs that program has done in the past 15 years? He's got to beat LSU, Texas A&M. When is he not? When is he not? Auburn. When is he not? How did LSU two, two get better? Ago. What happened how did, two years ago? How did A&M get better? Has LSU gotten better? You, you guys just won a national championship you, two years ago. And what did they do last year? Okay, they did they get better year. from? Did they get better they from last year? They won one and then Bama did won it. They get better from last year. You keep saying Bama's down. A and M are they better? They lost more. Look, look, look. They lost picked, four NFL offensive linemen at A and M. Picked them to win. He, look, it would make you happy. I have Bama winning the SEC, even though I see they're having a down year. You guys keep saying down years. Why is it a down year? Everyone else get better. Your, to be, to be fair, pick, relative to the standard, they're down to your like like this. Standard pick that they have set Who do you themselves. have? That's fair. Be That's fair. That's fair. But relative to the standard that they have set for themselves, where we just shoo in them to Atlanta, that I don't think is the case this year because the SEC West is so competitive. That's all I'm saying. It could be Texas A&M. Could in Atlanta be against be Georgia. And if that's the case, LSU. I like Georgia. Could be LSU. I disagree. I'm going to go Alabama as well, JT. I'm with you, Alabama. All right, in the ACC. Clemson. Clemson. All right, I got Clemson as well. So one last thing with the conference predictions. Power Five Conference, again, I'll give you the conference. You tell me the top NFL prospect, in your opinion, from that conference, all right? Not necessarily three years from now when they're draft, draft eligible, just right now, NFL prospect, all right? Mm-hmm. So let's go back. Big 12, Coach C. Rattler. JT. Rattler. Easy. I'm going to go wide receiver from Oklahoma, Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims, because I think he can play at the NFL level, whereas Rattler, I would question, is it the system in Lincoln Riley? In the Big 12 defenses, but Marvin Mims, I think, can play anywhere, anytime. Rattler's the number one pick in the draft. There's no way around it. <laughs> and, and, and that's fine. And that's fine. Maybe not everyone would see it that way. And maybe Marvin Mims ends up a little better at the end. Pac-12, Coach C. Uh, Thibodeau. JT, do you agree? Yeah, same. Yeah, Thibodeau. Even I'm not that crazy enough to go against Thibodeau. Big 10. Uh, I have one of the Ohio State wide receivers, so you can have Olave or Wilson take your pick. I'm actually down on Olave. Something about him worries me. I don't know, but I'm I'm going uh, to the team that always they never miss on their pro prospects. Iowa Tyler Linderbaum, the center, he might be oh. the best offensive lineman prospect in the whole whole country. Great pick, JT. You know, this was a little challenging for me because I don't feel like anyone has stood out in the Big Ten, right? Usually you have a Michigan guy or an Ohio State guy or some, you know, a Penn State the, guy. I think the guys in the Big Ten, the good ones that are that you would know, like offensively, they're all young. Yeah, like maybe. They're all in Ohio State too. <laughs> I'm going to go Ohio State offensive line, Thayer Munford. So I'm, I'm going to go with him because I think NFL guys, NFL executives like Ohio State linemen – He's going to play a lot. They'll have a good team. And just naturally, he'll, he'll go high. Uh, SEC. Uh, I had two here. Obvious choices, Evan Neal and Stingley. 
JT. Yeah, I hadn't. I had Neil. I just think he's the better prospect. You know, I'm going Derek Stingley Jr. Can't pass on the LSU secondary guys. And then ACC, Sam Howell. Ooh, JT. I don't give a damn if he's eligible or not. It's DJ Lily. Like that, he might be the best prospect in the whole country. Coach, you know who I got? Local guy from Maryland, Brian Breezy. Is he eligible? He gotta be. It, it's well, he is not because it'll be his second year. But that's what I was saying. It didn't matter if he so was it eligible. Doesn't matter. Okay. Just NFL prospect. Who's who's who is it right now? So that's why I put him. But I can I can see where no, you no, guys where both good of pick. you guys good went. Pick. I can see because I don't know if DJ would be eligible either. No, he's he not. Was, he's a sophomore. He was, but he I was, think right. I think in the ACC yep. he's still the yep. best pro prospect. Yep. No, I don't disagree with either. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> Like he, he, I wouldn't I th- say I think, that. Oh, here's the I wouldn't thing. say that. The dude I will say hasn't this. This played how, this a full how strong season. I feel about DJ having a good year and being a good quarterback. I think if he would have came out last year, I think he would have been the second quarterback taken behind mm. Trevor Lawrence. I, I honestly believe that. He doesn't have he doesn't have enough film or reps yet to say that much. To say last year he would have been the second QB. Just say much. I, that's how much I have. Yeah. Uh, Don't ask Notre Dame. All right. So now that we got all that out of the way. This, this is the money down. This is really what people care about. This is what will be defined by is the college football playoff prediction. Ten so, years from now, this is what we'll remember. No, like six months from now, this is what people will remember. <laughs> All right, so let's go real quick. Uh, who are the top four guys in that you got this year? In no particular order, I'm going with Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia. And then again, I'm picking with my heart here over my head in choosing Iowa State over Oklahoma. Interesting, Coach. I, I do like the Iowa State one, but I just couldn't put Matt Campbell's team quite up there. I just couldn't do it. I've got Alabama, Clemson. You didn't have Clemson – or you didn't have Alabama, huh? You got no, Georgia. i got Georgia winning okay, the SEC, okay. so I've got to have them yep. in the playoffs. Well, the SEC always can somehow have two. Yeah. But I've got Alabama, Clemson. I, I got a sh- – Lock in those short picks. I'm going to go Wisconsin out of the Big Ten. And then, JT, I've got USC out of the Pac-12. I just think they have the easiest road. They can run the table. And if they go undefeated with the brand name and being a Power 5 team, I don't see how they are not in. That's why they were my most underrated team. Um, We're kind of similar. I got uh, Clemson and Bama. I also have USC. And then my fourth team is Cincinnati. I I think they're going to find a way to sneak in. Getting wild. That's really gutsy because even if they, they run the table, you know the way people have voted against the group of five guys. So I'm not saying there's anything Here, here's, wrong here's, with Cincy. I, I think they could go on the field. Here's my reason. Even if they picking, do, they need a lot of help. With picking Cincy, you, you maybe can remind me when this has happened. I've, I've never seen a team that the year before they snuck up on people and did really good, and then the next year they come back and everyone's like, all right, we're going to give them a chance to prove themselves, and they actually do it, like, without the slip-up. I think Cincy has a chance to do that, like, back-to-back years. So we'll see what happens. And if not, then it'll be Ohio State in there. But, <laughs> all right, so we got those we got those on the record. We'll come back and we'll embarrass whoever had the worst ones, which is probably me. Um, who's one dark horse team do you think can crash the party? Funny enough, like all my dark horse candidates were in your playoff pools. But uh, I think the most realistic dark horse to get in is the winner of the um, Big Ten West. So if that's Wisconsin or Iowa. um, And I think 
you know, I might, I guess, follow JT or was it JT or you, Don, that had uh, Wisconsin. I just think the, I did, definitely the, him. the Badgers, like, guy. you know, if, if they can basically, you just have to win one game against Ohio state. If you get to the championship game and, and uh, you're in the playoff, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, whoever comes out of the big 10 West is going to have a nice resume beat Ohio state and, you, and you're in. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm thinking. I think they get to the big 10 championship game and, and, and they upset Ohio state. My dark horse team. I've got two, one of them, Iowa state. So good call there. The other one is UCLA. If they happen to knock off USC, it's it's fair game. I you, think have UCLA you guys forgotten could, about the, the Pac-12 North Division? I have not. I'm a huge fan of Oregon. But all Washington? I'm saying, I'm, I think those are really good teams. Right. But it sounds like then the flip side could be said, are you disrespecting the Pac-12 South? Sounds like you are. When was the last time UCLA was any good? Okay, and I understand that, but this team maybe is a little different. That's why I'm saying they could be the dark horse right. team. But you're right. History says I am way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> as usual. Um, I got two as well. Uh, one is Miami. I just I, I just feel like I'm not being biased. I feel like it's He's a legit drinking the chance. Kool-Aid down there in no, South Florida. I, I really do because it travels I travels like, to Canada. Here, here's on real talk. Here's why I'm 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 not 100% in on Miami this year, but this is why I'm more in than usual. One, I feel like nobody has dominated the transfer portal the past couple of years like Miami has. Like, that's a fact. And now those guys are actually getting on the field, and we have a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, two of the things that we have not had essentially forever. And that's what's been holding us back. So new players coming in, they're actually good. The quarterback is second year in the system, and we have a good OC that everyone was trying to poach from us at the end of last season. So I have to believe that we're probably going to see a different type of team come out of this year. So that's why I have them. And then my other one is Florida. I like the the Embry Jones kid. And I think they're going to be the team that makes Georgia disappointing. And it's probably going to be them versus Bama in the SEC championship. And then, you know, it's one game, anything goes. So one of those two teams, I think, will crash the party if there is, you know, a crasher. You know, with with Miami, listen, we're, we're both Miami Hurricanes fans. You're jaded, fans, I get you. But until they show me otherwise, especially up front, offensive line, I don't know how they handle some of those fronts that they're going to see with Alabama, Clemson. I mean, it, it can get ugly again. Like everyone says, they have, I think, the most experience of all the FBS teams, I believe, up front on the offensive line. But that doesn't mean – you, you still have to have quality. Yeah, like you have to have quality. Until they show me otherwise and they can keep Derek King upright in the actual receivers, and I think Rambo will be a playmaker, but the other guys have to produce. And until then, I don't know. The linebackers are really raw. That's the other thing. Like there's no more Shaq Quarterman back there. Like oh gosh, what those guys, those guys, well, we saw it last year. We got torched. So – I, I just – I'm not buying into it as all the other Miami fans. I still think we can be good. Think, of, think about it Think about it this way. Say what crash you want. the party? Yeah. Yeah. Say what you want about Miami. There was a time where we had Malik Rozier as our quarterback, and we were a top-four team in the country. So don't act like it's not It's not in Miami's realm of possibility to catch fire. Now, I know we have Alabama first. Will we probably lose that game? Yeah, but there's there's a lot of people that get paid way more than we do that are saying that that game is not a lock for us to lose. So that, and it kind of goes to what we were talking about, like Alabama not being the Bama that we're used to seeing. Like, I just, 
sometimes things can happen and it dominoes can fall the right way. Yeah, and I think you can you can overcome a non-league week one loss, especially over a power program like Alabama. I think Miami's issue is winning the coastal and actually getting to play Clemson and then having to actually beat Clemson. Whereas I think a more legitimate coastal dark horse would be UNC. We'll see. But see, that's my point. I just think that they could possibly have a slip up against the UVA, you know, against the Virginia Tech, and it ruins their whole season. Like Miami always loses those games. And you can say all you want about experts saying this and that. JT, what does Vegas say? That's what I want to know. What do Bama, they say? That's what Bama, I mean. 18 and a half point favorites. <laughs> I would be, I've been saying this. I would be surprised if we can keep it under 20. All right, we'll see. All right, so what people really, really want to know is who do we got winning it all? So this is where, you know, we're going to make fun of you or not for the next couple months. Damn, so I missed a memo on you uh, on uh, Georgia being the most disappointing because I got them down here in a coin flip. Uh, there got, was no memo, Coach. It's just history. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can bet you. I don't know what Vegas says, but I can pretty much guarantee you Georgia ain't going to be there. But that's who you got? No, I have Georgia and Clemson in a coin flip. Um, and But you know what? I just – I'm getting Georgia vibes. I don't know why. I, I, I So I'll go with them. I've got Clemson. You should have went with the other side of the coin. Yeah, I got Clemson. <laughs> oh, well, DJ's his guy. That's his DJ. I'm saying, look. You get that reference? Cle- no? <laughs> you don't get that reference? Yes, it was just terrible placement, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Are you done? Are you done? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, before we go, week zero, all right, is coming up this weekend. So, JT, we got to start it off right, and we're going to keep records of this, all right? So, we're going to go into weekend predictions. This is truly everyone's favorite segment. So, pick along with the experts, us three. So, what we're going to do this year, JT, Coach Cassidy will phone in his picks, all right, for weekend predictions. We're going to keep a record of all three of our uh selections and i think that uh maybe a uh, chipotle dinner is is headed to the winner's way all right or a uh or a free weekend at casa de thompson orlando getaway yep orlando getaway i like that i like how that sounds orlando getaway at casa de thompson for the weekend (laughs) all right so week zero in college football that's what it is called this saturday We've only got really two games that we're going to highlight here, all right? So it's Nebraska at Illinois. Coach C, who you got? I'm so excited for Brett Bielma's uh, debut as the head coach of the Fighting Illini. Nebraska, they've had a horrible offseason. So I'm going with the Illini. JT? Quick question. I don't even know this. Is Martinez still the quarterback at Nebraska? Is he still there? He is. Illinois. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm going to go with Nebraska. I think Scott Frost has had it rough, but he's on the hot seat. Something we didn't do this year, JT. Coach is on the hot seat. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go to Nebraska. He's got to win. And I, I just – I don't know if Illinois has turned it around yet in football. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Scott Frost in Nebraska. The other game of interest, Hawaii at UCLA. Coach C, who you got? Mm. 
I'm going to go with the Bruins, even though I was hating on them earlier. JT? Going Hawaii. Whoa. All right. I'm going to go UCLA. Like I said, I think they're a potential team that could crash the party. So they got to start it off right at home. They got to get this one. So I'm going to go UCLA. So just those two games for weekend predictions. Coach C, great having you on. As always, we hope at some point during the college season you will come back. Hope you enjoyed it enough. But thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It's always such a pleasure to be on and hang out with you all. Absolutely. So to the fans and listeners out there, thank you for listening. We couldn't do it, nor would we want to do it without you. Remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember, you can follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, fun episode. As always, thank you again to Coach Connor Cassidy and JT. Until the next episode, see ya. Peace.